Hello and welcome to Command Center, your video game book club podcast. My name is Daniel and with me is... Jay, who realized he's sitting in a very not flattering position. And... (laughs) (laughs) Nate, the guy who stole Jason's phone to video record this podcast. It's great though, we were watching some uh, video file pulled off your phone like an hour ago and... I've always stolen that chair, knowing since we recorded the episode at our old place, um, because Jason was out in front of the camera, and it was a very unflattering line of sight. (laughs) Sitting here, you can see every ounce of belly fat. (laughs) So I even told Jay, I was like, thanks for letting me use your phone. I won't steal the good seat. And then he's sitting like... In relaxed repose, with his, he's got an ankle brace on. He he he. His, um, his foot is hurt. Yeah, his tummy's rotund. You know, but who's <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at me. Sure. You're so corpulent when you sit around. I'm gonna put that on my tombstone. <laughs> his foot was hurt and his tummy was rotund. <laughs> rotund. Rest in. His tummy was rinconed. Rigatoni. Rest in peace. Says rigatoni in peace. Rotund in peace. I pen a in peace. We're fat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm mildly <laughs> drunk. My, really? I'm, I'm IPAs, and he hasn't eaten. Oh, I also had a beer before I came over. Wow. Well, par for the course. Yep. I know that trouble. You're watching on the video. <laughs> you'll get to see my penis tonight. You won't. Well, uh, <laughs> I think we should uh, talk about Bioshock. What do you guys think? It's a Bioshock. It... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we should talk about System Shock Three. Well, okay. You know what? I have something to say about that later. Actually, I really do. Did you read the Wikipedia article? Is that where you're coming? No, from? no. I actually I watched the um, we we're talking about the director's commentary. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. and they literally would not shut up about Bioshock well, or a, uh, System Shock Two. There's a reason why. Let's, <laughs> let's finish out the intro because I have questions on that and I haven't finished the wiki article. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, as you guys hopefully know, we played Bioshock last month. Um, this is a game that you probably all know, or you should. It came out in 2007. Uh, I think that all three of us played the remastered. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. yep that came out in 2016. Of course, this was uh, a game that was followed by its two um, what do brethren. You what do you not brethren. sequels? Sequels. There yeah. you go. Uh, Bioshock Two and Bioshock Infinite. This was developed by 2K Boston, which later became Irrational Games, uh, and was published by 2K. Imagine that. And as Jason just alluded to, it's considered this a spiritual successor to System Shock. Uh, it was led by a guy named Ken Levine. And he, among many others, also worked on System Shock. Uh, what, what are you laughing I'm at? Sorry. What, what is going on over no, there? Because you said Boston. All I can hear is, hey, yo, I'm Bioshock in here. That's definitely That's New York. That's definitely New York, yeah. though. Yeah. That doesn't make any Coming sense. Coming from a man yeah. wearing a Yankees hat as we speak. I was, I was <laughs> just thinking about how uh, everything uh, someone with the last name Levine touches usually turns out well. But... Like, our buddy's last name is Levine, and he's awesome. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, also, a, a fat man was walking two golden retrievers in the alley in a big white shirt. It distracted me. Yeah, our window looks onto an alley. Yeah, for anyone I'm who's drunk, conf- are you? <laughs> <laughs> we just started. I'm really not. I, I'm, one, I'm one regular beer and, and half an IPA in, but I, I am, I'm looking at the trail mix. Like, if, maybe if I just lean away, I should. If I wasn't <laughs> sitting in here, like most of the people listening to this are, I would think you were insane. There's a fat man with golden retrievers. <laughs> we have a friend named Levine. <laughs> yeah, they really shouldn't give Nate a Zoom call from fucking the asylum, man. <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, uh, Ken Levine and a lot of the other uh, people that worked on the game also worked on System Shock 2. Uh, They also wanted to make System Shock 3, and they were basically told no, uh, because I guess 2 didn't sell that well. And this was their way of kind of doing it. 
Yeah, according to that dude, he said it sold like five copies, even though it was like critically acclaimed. Which right, is pretty much true. I mean, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of ge- five copies, but there's a lot of games that are critically acclaimed that don't do well financially. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that also you will make studios hesitant to make another one, which I understand. But you know, they got to do what they wanted we to especially do understand because we played Sh- uh, System Shock exactly, yeah. and I did not like it. <laughs> oh, I I did. I but... loved the atmosphere because it reminded me of Bioshock, but the interface was. Gore, well, it's an old game. Back in the back in the day, um, was it zero punctuation? The uh, the videos, the review videos. He did Bioshock, and he basically, in I believe, in his video, he basically states like, "You want to make a great game? Steal all the ideas of System Shock Two, because any great game that doesn't get mass, uh, like, what was that perception impact appeal? Yeah, mass appeal. I mean, I think that game has mass appeal, but it wasn't it wasn't marketed well. It didn't it didn't sell well, so people didn't know about it. So you just take that and make it your own." And that's but that's all over all art. Like you find some some unknown artist. How many how many big name artists or in this case big studios find some little known thing and remake it? Granted, I like that it was the same crew. Like that's that's I what mean, hell, Bioshock set the staple for all. Of, all so of on that yeah. note, interesting, you said those actual words because my next but my next bullet line here on the intro of the game was it has been described as and this is a quote: the coming of age of video games as an artistic medium. Mm-hmm. There was also almost a film adaptation of, of Bioshock, but among the issues they ran into was they were insistent upon an R rating, which if you have, if you're going to do Bioshock, it kind of has to be. Well, I don't know. And I don't think like, you'd really, at least nowadays, I don't think you really need something, to. You should though. But most of the critically acclaimed movies, most of the Oscar winners are R because you can't limit, you can't limit creative expression and the censors I mean, are not necessarily. Sensitive. Like I was just listening to a commentary on the Joker and the Joker rated R was the first movie in the rated R to make a billion dollars. And so I'm not talking about income. I'm talking about like yeah. Oscars, critical acclaim. Um, but at the same time, we're talking about this game because they wouldn't let them make a move, another game in a series that wasn't making money. And they made basically the same game with a different cover and it made money. So yeah, I guess you got yeah. a valid point. The, pr- the problem with R rated movies is, is not that they're not good. It's that you're getting kids who usually kids no, make up yeah, a large yeah. audience exactly. of movies. Yeah, that's, that's the disposable big, income yeah. and nothing to do. But on top of that, they were also expecting about a $200 million budget uh, for the film because they would have to make all new sets because it's all, you know, <clears throat> underwater yeah. and everything. You can't, yeah. you can't reuse the... Um, Stormtrooper Troopers armor for this one. I mean, they could. <laughs> they could, but it wouldn't make it. It's been in everything. Whatever. We already got Deep Blue Sea, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm sick of these motherfucking sharks and this motherfucker. And he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we can we can blame Watchmen for not having a, a Bioshock yeah. movie because that really? movie didn't do very well, and it burned the studio. And it was the same yeah. studio that had, had uh, the rights to Bioshock. Dark, post-apocalyptic, so yeah. After Watchmen failed, they were not willing to put $200 million on an R-rated film that was using the same kind of technology, the the green screen and, and the, the you mean CGI. Warner Brothers? Because Warner Brothers had the is what released Watchmen. Then, yes, Warner Brothers. Wow, really? Yeah. Those dumb motherfuckers. Oh my god! Uh, I mean, I cannot. Well, I can believe it now. They had just lost a shit ton of money on Watchmen. There's the thing: Watchmen made thirty million. That's what million. I'm saying. Like there, it, it, it made it 30, 30 million. It was, that's it, nothing. No, I know that's nothing. But <laughs> how much did they spend on it? One. No, it made one eighty five, and they spent one thirty. Yeah, that's that's not that's a really not, good return. Yeah, no, but really that's return, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, I, I understand that, but when and that's Zack Snyder's and Watchmen. Yeah. I don't think was, was it Watchmen rated R. It was well. So it had two versions. It had a PG thirteen one, and it had a a director's cut, which was rated R, but right? But in, basically, they just me. they just deleted Rorschach. That's, it, that's in, theater, <laughs> in theaters, I'm sure it was PG-13. I would assume so. Yeah. yeah. Um, Checking now. 
Yeah, but that that's what we were just talking about. 300, that's Zack Snyder. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also read about this film adaptation that they were going to use the same technology that was spearheaded by 300 to make this this film. Mm, I don't know if that would have worked. But I, who knows? Yeah. No, well, slow-mo, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, or the, I, I assume, uh, the, they used the, cr- they brought back the crank uh, film, or the crank camera. Did they? Yeah, to film that. So what they did was for the slow motion, if you notice, I don't know, I mean, last time we watched 300 was probably forever ago. Uh, when they did the slow-mo, it was two different cameras. It was a crank that they brought back, or they actually like rebuilt for the purposes of the movie. Huh. And then it was a digital camera that... When it like switch focuses, is when oh, they were right, switching right. between cameras. Smart, yeah. So it looks like Watchmen was rated R. I'm looking up if there was a PG-13. I don't think so. I think it. Was, I think there was just a theater, which which happens to Zack Snyder. It was a theatrical version, and then his version was mm-hmm. the director's cut, which was the acclaimed. One. But that's what I'm saying. The theatrical version was R. There. So wait, you're saying Zack Snyder did a Snyder cut at a PG-13? That doesn't make any sense. No, no. What I'm saying is that I was wrong about there oh, being a PG-13. The theatrical version was probably R, and then there was a director's cut. Heard. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, still makes sense. Uh, from looking at the time that they were at, why they chose not to do it. It's unfortunate. Oh, of but course. Yeah, definitely then, yeah. With the time we live in now, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out with a Bioshock you know, movie after the fact, like, They're sometime. Waiting. It would probably be a TV show. I think it would be better... It would be a great a TV, TV show. show. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're waiting for the Halo movie to come out. You know, you know we is, <laughs> no, no, no. The Halo, it's coming out as a show. We've yeah. heard that for yeah. how long? <laughs> no, I mean, because of COVID, yes. But it it's was gonna, actually, it's already, there's already a synopsis. They're already filming. They've, they've done that actors. before. It's like Duke Nukem. <laughs> I, I swear to God, this is actually going because uh, they're, it's going to be on Showtime. Uh, they already bought the rights. I don't know if they're back at filming yet. Because of COVID, obviously. Right. Um, it's ugh, God. Have you seen Orange is the New Black? Yeah. The in the in the very beginning seasons, the really tall dude with the mustache, and they call him mustache. Yeah. Yep. He's going to be Master Chief. Now, I, I get what you're saying, but you realize this has happened like three times before. They're like, oh, it's casted. They have a synopsis. No, they started no, no, no. filming. They, they never casted before. Yes, they, they have. had Peter Jackson as the director. <laughs> yeah. They had. Did they actually cast before? Yeah, and they started filming, and then they well, were like, ah, never mind. It's too expensive. They've done it like it, two or yeah, three times. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying this has happened before. I've mm. seen it. I have not watched a ton of Showtime. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Cinemax, which negates this entire statement. I mean, you mean Skinamax? <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say, I think of Showtime. Showtime? No, it was it was Cinemax. Uh, Showtime yeah. is, um, God, Shameless. Uh, okay. Yep. Fucking yep. Ray Donovan, Dexter. Yeah. Blah, blah, I was blah. I was thinking of Cinemax, which is like worse actors, worse writing, and we'll cover it up with dicks, tits, and literal death on screen. But yeah, that's Cinemax. And if I don't have dicks, tits in my Bioshock, I'm gonna be pissed. The, I want to see what the big daddy looks like under that outfit. So this is going to be rated R then. <laughs> NC-17. Or NC-17. TVMA. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Ma! The TV! So that's all I have for the uh, intro for the game. Uh, what did you, What were you guys... So I know we all played this previously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, did y'all finish it? Yes. No. So uh, well, I... Previously. I stopped... Wait, are you saying this time or before? Ever. Yes. You finished it before, but you didn't finish it this time. I didn't finish it this time because I fucking hate the ending. Fair enough. Nate? I did not finish it this time, but I finished it in college, yeah. Okay. I never finished it before, and I didn't really? finish it this time. No. Did or did not? Did not. Did not. And I, I have an excuse. 
it scares the shit out of me. This yeah, game is really scary to me. Sense, yeah. Would you kindly finish the game? Look who's talking. A. B. What's that mean? You you haven't finished the last, like, how many games? I've finished a lot of games back in the day. No, no, no. I'm talking for the podcast. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I finished a lot of games for the podcast. Just Oberdin Recently, sucked. recently. Oberdin sucked. Roller Coaster Tycoon, you couldn't finish. What was the previous one? Wasteland. Wasteland, nobody finished. That's, <laughs> not finishing Wasteland's like, you didn't finish War and Peace in a month. Fuck you. <laughs> well, fuck yourself. Um, but I, le- legit, though, like, I, you know I don't play horror games. I don't even yeah, play Five Nights. Yeah, I get that, yeah. Even but, back in the day when we first started, because you read the book and Rapture, and who have anybody who hasn't read it, go ahead and read it. If you like Maybe. Bioshock, for yeah. sure. Uh, honestly, even if you don't like Bioshock, if you just want to like a good science-fiction uh, read, honestly, it, you, you wouldn't... You, because I, I, as I was playing the game again and remembering the book, because I, before I played the game, beat the game, and then I read Rapture, this time going around playing the game, remembering Rapture, I so, was thinking to myself, if I were somebody to be like, hey, you've never played, if you were looking for like a story driven game, I'd be like, honestly, read this book and then play the game. I think you have that wrong. Really? Yes. Because uh, the the book, so everyone knows, we're talking about this book called Rapture, which is a prequel, basically, to the first game, Bioshock, um, and then also takes place during the game, but yeah. separated from the events that the, the people, the, the characters that you play and see during the game, for the most part. Um, but it's, it's non-canon now, but it, what it does is it ties in with the game, so a lot of when you're playing the game, when you find... Um, what are they called? Those little uh, audio files. Little audio files. Yeah, yeah. It includes a lot of the dialogue from that, so it kind of tries to tie everything together and give you the behind the scenes of what happened in Rapture before the game starts. So, like, why it fell apart. This is what we're talking about. Um, Nate, the game I thought took place in in sixty, right? In nineteen fifty nine, I believe it was. Right? Was it? Okay, yeah. I thought it, I thought it was because I don't think there's, as far as I know, there's no point where the book goes into the game's timeline. There are. You find recordings in the game that are literally word for word written in the book. When yeah, that's recorded. what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, but like there's no like the book ends with your uh, character in Chicago. I just finished it last night yeah. uh, in Chicago, getting on a plane to go somewhere, which I believe is the plane you crash on. But I think that, that it goes right up to the edge of the start of the game. But I don't think it overlaps other than the recordings are. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. I didn't mean like it happens. Oh, yeah, that's uh, I was I was thinking like. Like the Halo books, how they happen around you in the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I was thinking you meant. I was like, really? I didn't, I missed, I missed that part. No, but I mean, I so like, to what you were saying, Jay, uh, since it ties in so much with the game, it's like the whole book basically is an Easter egg. We're like, oh, okay, I remember I hearing that. that. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what, the, I know why now this building is collapsed and I know what this fishery is because mm-hmm. of the book. If I didn't, hadn't played Bioshock and read the book, it's an okay story. It's just your generic sci-fi, but you don't have that kind of connection. Like, oh, I know that because I played the game. I think it would kind of fall flat. I mean, maybe that's just me, but I mean, I was, I, we, no, we I can't mean, know because we all read it mm-hmm. after we played the game. Yeah, yeah. When I started listening to the book, because I, I hadn't read or listened to the book back in the day. Yeah, the first like three chapters, I was like, ugh, I don't even know if I want to listen to this. And then I got into it once the game started going. And it, it is, it's a good book. And it's like, it's like the... um the Fall of Reach, yeah, the first yeah, Halo book. Saying, it, yeah. it gives you so much on the backside, but it does also, to me, Ryan in the Ryan's the the Andrew Ryan. Yes, the um, he's the protagonist. Er, antagonist. antagonist. That's the word I was trying well, to remember. Well, well, according to antagonist. Nick, antagonist. According to Nick, he's the protagonist. Yeah, Nixon. Okay. Um, <laughs> hey, he really? He, he runs our website. Yeah, be I was going to say, keep posting the website, please, Nick. Um, 
but no, like the, his his Ryan's actions later and later in the book make no sense. It's like uh, Expanse book, I think five or book six, where the the antagonist makes no sense because it's like he's still trying to stick to this uh, utopian society moral high ground he's created, but he's obviously he's very obviously making slaves. Like, and he's like, well, some people have to die for the 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 cream to rise, you know, because it's it's all uh, anarcho capitalism, but it's not anarcho. It's he's created. Sorry, yeah, Look, it, I the mean, book's good, but I don't think it would work without the the, the game. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, let's let's uh let's get back to the game, yeah, and let's yeah. talk a little bit more about that because uh, we could talk about the book forever. Mm-hmm. No, um, I mean, the book was really good. Yeah. One of the things that I really loved about it is the atmosphere and the the themes behind it, which. I wouldn't really say that they shove it down your throat because if it was if they were trying to hide the things behind it, then it would be a little bit. Oh come on! I know what this is about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after I finished the game for the first time, I found a copy of Atlas Shrugged jammed inside of my anus. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they are. They're not shoving it down your throat. They're shoving it up your backside. Well, <laughs> they're doing the opposite. They're trying to show kind of basically how ridiculous mm-hmm, this idea mm-hmm. of a completely free market capitalist society yeah. is, and what could happen. Yeah. When that comes across, well, shit. I, I remember uh, looking up recently. Uh, Andrew Ryan's somewhat of a uh, what is it called? Like a mammogram? Mam- uh, He's a mammogram. Not a mammogram. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> You know what I'm talking Thank about? You. Where you you can uh, yeah he's he's a um it's of Ayn Rand it's a uh, yeah uh, when yeah. you switch the letters around to make a new word I, Ayn Rand and he's not not an anagram an anagram a, no, no it's not an it's anagram a slant it's anagram. Just, uh, oh man we're oh, pause this so I can look it up no no we're not pausing it you no. look it up show our idiocy <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally googling moving the letters around in a name to make it mean something different all right well you and me keep this up while he looks it yeah no for sure um there was a lot of a lot of that imagery in there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I found when I was researching this is it's anagram. Is it anagram? Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, he's right. So here. what is you, the? You literally said like you said the word. I was like, that's it. And you're but you said it with it's not an anagram. But like, what oh. is the word for when you? Oh, an acronym is what I'm thinking of. I thought. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm thinking of a mammogram when I just squished the. <laughs> Sorry, never mind. What's going on? <laughs> and then I take pictures with a cat scan. <laughs> Okay. We are not going to develop any female audience so long as I'm part of this podcast. We, you need to fire me. We never will. We never have. Uh, for any females out there, we do love you. Yeah. Uh, we're not judging anybody. Oh, no, we're we just terrible you. people. And by we, I mean I. So, But what I was going to say is um, when I was researching this, I found that um, – what was his name? Ken Levine? When he was getting ready to make this game, his original idea was to make a game that had three elements to the actual core gameplay – drones protectors and harvesters and he wanted something where like there's one character or type of entity in the game that collects some sort of resource and then you have a protector that protects that thing from getting harmed and then you have someone who wants to harvest it and they went through a lot of different iterations of how they were but that was like the idea they hadn't any idea that they were going to make it like any kind of yeah. words or any kind of uh, symbolism about capitalism or underwater none of that it was just here's a gameplay mechanic idea or even the little sisters or big daddy well that's L- what those are so the yeah. big daddy be protector well yeah the, and the little sisters uh ring the or uh, watching the goddamn director's or uh director's commentary little sisters started off as like slugs yeah and well, they're, they're yeah they're, they're symbiotic they're in a symbiotic relationship that's why if exactly. you harvest them and, you end up with a slug and they're like slug. well because obviously the the choice of harvesting them or saving mm-hmm. them, if you, there's no like if you're just doing a slug, I'm just gonna harvest that thing. They needed to be make it more mm-hmm. 
Yeah, to make it personal. To yeah, make exactly, it exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, interestingly enough, that was a huge uh, point of contention during development. The uh, studio was like, you can't have little girls in there because if you can kill them, that's going to cause all kinds of it problems. Makes sense. And it's going to be Which, too dark. Well, in, uh, what is it in Europe? There, you're. That's why in GTA, there's no kids. You're not like in video games. You're not allowed to have any children being. You can't be able to kill children in video games in Europe. That's yeah. why Bioshock as well. Uh, not Bioshock. Uh, oh my God, Fallout Three. You can you can murder whole towns, and the only people that can't die, they just get knocked unconscious, are the uh, story necessary characters and the children. I don't know how many times running through Rivet City, which is an area in, in uh, Fallout, I've just murdered everyone, and there's corpses everywhere, and the kids just keep getting up and like, hey, mister. I mean, that kind of feels worse. Well, yeah, no, it <laughs> does. It's, my it's daddy? fucking creepy. <laughs> but that was the issue that the 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 studio was having. 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 And... Um, so the way they fixed it, they were like, all right, even if you're just harvesting from these little girls, we're not comfortable with this. This is too dark. You're going to have people like hurting little girls. So they were like, all right, fine. Well, what if we make it so that you can only do that after you kill their protector? And for some reason, they were like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah. That's 10 times worse. So that's why you have to deal with that. <laughs> because it's it's societally acceptable for orphans to be a commodity. Well, uh, that not. makes sense. Like, are you saying I have to Disney character this little girl? <laughs> yes. I guess so. Mama, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you kill their big daddy, then it's okay to harvest them. But you're not har harming Long them really. Long live the king. So one of the ideas they had for like the drone part of it, and I think this would have been way better than the little girls would have been and this is really weird and i wonder how it would have worked into this and this might have been before they decided on the underwater post-apocalyptic city dogs in wheelchairs now <laughs> <laughs> sounds very strange and i wonder if it's like a dog in a human wheelchair or if it's a dog with like a little back leg wheelchair either way i still would have felt more bad about harvesting it than if it was a little girl they may yeah <laughs> I'll give you that. They made the little sisters intentionally look demonic. Like, they look creepy from away. And then when you pick them up to harvest them or rescue them, they look fucking terrifying. It's like, why is that on the screen? And then you either Rub harvest them on the it, head. Yeah, you harvest it and turn <laughs> into a slug or you save her and turn into a little girl. She's like, thank you. But they the, the art style is already so, like, big eyed that giving it red eyes made it evil. I presume the dog would look just as terrifying as all the other. Wait, so I've never actually harvested one. They turn into a slug when yeah, you Yeah, so the, the whole yeah. the, they cover it in Rapture in the book, but the whole backstory is I remember the slug being there. I didn't remember yeah. I didn't know that they actually turned so into the one. The slugs created the Adam and the Eve. The Adam is the the blueprint the the medium by which they rewrite the genetic code and the Eve is the power source for it. Um, but they weren't producing it fast enough and they needed a human host. And so they used adult human hosts and um one of the characters, Tenenbaum, was a former Nazi death camp prisoner mm -hmm. who had an interest in science. And the Germans were like, well, she's fucking psychotic. Let's use her. And so she's like, yeah, these, these, so. these adult humans, we um, I mean, she was in the death camp. She wasn't one of the, the death camp scientists. Again, this is not canon. Yeah, it's just from the book. Well, I think that's actually that actually is canon because that could they, be. You know, they talk uh, about that in the recordings oh, in the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she tried to adult hosts and the adult hosts died. And she said, but children have. Stem cells, specifically the little girls, for some reason, produce so much more. So they put the slug in the little girl. It wraps around their stomach, and it's a parasite. But it, then they can the 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 little girls now through the sea slugs produce like triple the atom and the eve that the slugs alone produce. So they were using it to produce more, um, which yeah. is fine. That's just a free market. I mean, if people are willing yeah. to buy it, then they need to have the, it. No, no. This <laughs> I got. I got. I got an aside. Can I? Can I jump in? Can I take take yeah, a minute here? You were already there, baby. Go. All right. The, this is trying to draw some sort of uh, message from this is like trying to draw a message from Snowpiercer or even Atlas Shrugged, which I have not read and I should read. But like, 
the idea that this is the free market when this man has set up this prison camp underwater, it's absolutely insane. Well, it wasn't a prison camp to begin with. It was. It, no, it was. Because, hey, come here for this contract. We're going to pay you for six months. Also, you can never leave after. But they know yeah. that going in. They know that going in. Which is stupid. Like it, They're stupid. But, I mean, their, they yeah, they, they might choice. be stupid. Their choice. The way that it yeah. was marketed to people. And it, it was sold. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. They, they, they knew what they were getting into. They were like, here, you can be free to research whatever you want. You Free of the constraints of an overreaching government. You can do whatever you want to do. As, and if it fails, that's your fault. It wasn't marketable. It wasn't going to be anything to begin with. Literally, the first thing I wrote in my notes was, I would have been swept up by Andrew Ryan's propaganda. You know, so when the game first starts, he's very convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I am entitled to the sweat of my own brow. Yeah. The issue is, like, I sweat while I'm stealing bread, but then that is outlawed. Theft is outlawed. There there are laws. The laws are set up so that it's basically a place only the rich can survive. It's not It's yes. not a free market where there is security paid for by the state, who is Andrew Ryan. There And, like, it's not to mention, the, the this is what I was thinking about when I was listening to the book. I was working a long day yesterday, and all I could think was, you expected to set up a place with no taxation, where literally the cost of living, air, water, shelter, is got to be septuple or quintuple what it is on the surface of the fucking planet we <laughs> evolved on. You went to the bottom of the ocean where it's freezing, except for the lava that is coming in through the bottom of the place. And also, at any moment, the environment will collapse on you and crush you. And you didn't, this guy didn't want to create a tax system to, like, bring me the rich and the the scientists uh, disgusted by morality checking their work, where their investment and their creation will then create the monetary income to justify the costs of this location, which is extranational, which is in the middle of international water, so nobody can fuck with them. But no, he brought welders. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you need welders to build that. But also, welders aren't going to create a new material that will make them rich enough to pay the living expenses of living on the ocean floor. Well, I I think that was the, like you were kind of alluding to right there, was his idea is like, I'm going to fund this myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay for all of it. And then eventually, with the breakthroughs that all of these geniuses that come here who have been constrained by the people on the surface, Mm -hmm. we're going to patent shit and be able to sell it to all the countries of the earth and no one can fuck with us because we are our own entity and this is all going to end up paying for itself tenfold mm-hmm. or, or more. Yeah, which not not realizing. Is, sorry, yeah. sorry, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't interrupt. My bad. Just, just, just not realizing that, at least in this game, that that kind of system is untenable. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be that kind of corruption. There's always going to yeah. be... You have to have at least some form of regulation or things are going to go off the rails. And that that's what's... Which kind of is unappreciated with Bioshock Infinite, where it's kind of literally just flipped on the other side. To be fair, I've never played that one. Yeah, I need to play that one. They know it's basically the first one, but they know what they're doing. They know they're being racist. They know it's like it's kind of like flying in the face of Andrew Ryan, where it's basically the Confederacy just took to the sky. Yeah, take- <laughs> and it's Nazis only, on the moon. Only the people can of who are God fearing can be a part of our and you know. Uh, they didn't their segregation and all that stuff but the same problems obviously that happened with our country is still gonna happen either underwater or in the fucking sky you can't run from societal problems this is non-canon because this is from the book but it could work in theory if people were a locked there and b if they then sold the, the the plasmids and all this other shit that they had developed this amazing technology 
that they internationally. Yeah, but they didn't. One of the other rules was you can't leave or contact the outside world. So your only your only consumer base is this trapped population under underwater. So if you create a great new aviation metal, well, that's fucking great. You're in a dome under the ocean. Well, you the, can't sell literally it. Literally, all was, you're making is addicts. Yeah, that's their, all their, you could. Their plan was to sell though eventually, Actually, but yeah. they were waiting for. They were waiting for what the the nuclear apocalypse to happen, so that no no nation would exist strong enough to take them out. Sort right. Of. Yeah, and which never happened. The, the guy's a crackpot. Well, that the guy's a fucking to, crackpot. I well, obviously, uh, when you beat it the first time, did you, did you harvest or did you save them? I harvested one to see because Chip was like, "They're slugs," and I was like, "No, they're not. They're little girls." Oh, it's a slug in my hand, and then I saved all the rest. Okay, but um, if you if you don't save them all or harvest them all, it, right? Yeah. Then, if you yeah. if you go basically, there was two routes that the director actually didn't. It, that was kind of forced on them by mm-hmm. 2K. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he was more invested in just the saving the little girls. Uh, you basically start a nuclear... Uh, yeah, shit, holocaust? Holocaust. Yeah, <laughs> I, you, I didn't want to say Holocaust, but there No, it it's, a, it's a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, That's you the made, term it, for it. it. Yeah, with, with that turn of events, is you that start... Is that the nuclear. harvest ending, or is that the save ending? Uh, The harvest ending. Oh, okay, true. Yeah, yeah. And what's the save ending? I, I haven't, you I just save the little girls and... Yeah, and I happy, think Tenenbaum uh, does something, doesn't she? For like, I don't know because I can't remember. I she leaves you gifts when you when you save when you, every, yeah, well, for every three little sisters you save. The little sisters and Tenenbaum will leave you a pile of gifts, which is collectively more material than you would have gotten if you'd harvested. Which is, three. I mean, I, I, not to like jump ahead to our least favorite and favorite. Uh, one of the reasons that like was I'm going to go ahead and say it was my least favorite was that choice. I mean. Obviously, they said it blatantly, saving them will get you more things. Mm, yeah. So, obviously, I'm going to save them. So, that whole dilemma of, like, that a Paragon or a Renegade, Renegade yeah. didn't really, it wasn't, it didn't matter. Because it was forced on them. And, yeah. and so, I read that if you, when you save, you only get 10% more Eve yeah. than if you harvest Adam. Adam. Uh, but it, only ten percent more, so it's, it's negligible, and I think it's they did that on purpose because they didn't want to have that choice. And it's you get ten percent more, but only every third that yeah. you save. So if you if you just have two little sisters left, you're better off harvesting both of them. Mm-hmm. If there's enough game left that there's three little sisters left to save, and you save all three, then you get ten percent more. But even like when what's his name, not Tommy Atlas, the your your guide, your radio guide through the game. Um, you mean Fountain? Fountain, but do they do they say that in the game or just in the book? No, it's in the game. Okay, yeah, um, he, he's the last boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they do, do the old the old switcheroo. Same as Bioshock. So to be Shock. so just for a question, I never finished the game, but I knew there was like a big twist or whatever. So Atlas is Fontaine. Atlas mm-hmm. is Fontaine. See, I never knew that. I knew yeah. that he was bad just because the shit that I had read. Yeah. Um, and I did read a little tidbit about him. Uh, when they first made the game, the testing one, uh, everyone hated it. For multiple reasons, but one of the biggest ones is that the testers immediately distrusted Atlas. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to trust him. You're supposed to, like, believe that he's on your side. But they are all like, what's up with this guy? Because they had him with, like, a southern, southern draw. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. They had him with a southern draw. I was like, what the they fuck? They had to give him an yeah. Irish brogue to make people trust him. The yep. quote from the testers, but he sounds like a lecherous Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I distrust him, I, too. I, so why I was <laughs> laughing before when you said something about Boston, I think, what was it, two, the studio started off as Boston 2K uh, or something? Bo- like. 2K, 2K Boston, Boston. yeah. yeah. Because when they did, uh, I think one of the testing was in Boston, and... <laughs> 
the way the director uh described it was like uh, we, we had them like we had these boston testers just be like oh man this sucks <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this and like all i could think about is is like hey what the fuck this is retarded. This is retarded. <laughs> What's the uh, the end of the, the end of the departed? Um, when <laughs> he's when, a cat. Yeah, no, at the very end when um, what is it? Matt Damon. Matt Damon is, yeah. is covering everything up, and he 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 kills the spoiler guy who's been paying alert. him. This, huh? Whoa, oh, spoilers! Off, cunts. A, <laughs> he kills um De Niro's uh, character. Who's the head no, no, no. headbag? Uh, Nicholson. Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he kills. He Jack kills. Nicholson, he, and he, who else and is in that? Fucking. He, Walberg, there's a bunch, but go. and then DiCaprio, but he kills Nicholson's character. Wait a minute, and he's like, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a mole for the mob, and I just killed the mob head, and he's alone in this warehouse, and he goes, I got, I got Jeffersons over here. So to just add on to that whole obvious theme of of Andrew Ryan being uh, the the capitalist, anarcho capitalist, yeah, you, you know, the capitalist, yeah, the capitalist ideal, I guess. I ran when they were doing. Uh, when Ken Levine specifically was trying to think of how he was going to implement this idea of drone protector harvester, he he lived in New York and he went to Rockefeller Center and for whatever reason he had never been there before, and he was in there and he really loved the the Art Deco style and which you can see a lot of in the game and just like really liked the space and there's you know the statue of Atlas out front and that kind of inspired him so he was researching more about Rockefeller Center. And this was a building that uh, John D. Rockefeller started building before the Great Depression. And he had investors and all that helping him build this place. And then the Depression hit and they all dropped out. He didn't lose much of his money. So he was like, I'm going to finish this with my own money. I'm going to do it myself. So he researched that and that he kind of inspired Andrew Ryan. Mm -hmm. Like the guy who was like, all right, never mind. I'll do it myself and I'm going to make it the way I want it to be. And it's my own thing, Uh, which I just thought was kind of interesting, which... It's cool to see how that just one building inspired not only the theme, but gave the the main antagonist and the art style of the game all in one. You can see where that came from. I, I read that same thing, and uh, it made me realize one of the reasons why I love Rapture as a whole, just mm-hmm. the whole atmosphere, was it reminded me of Tim Burton's Gotham. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that that whole, like, you go over the hill and then... Pfft, rapture yeah. art deco as well yeah. exactly yeah it, it really it gave me those type of vibes where i was like all right i'm totally set to be in this world that's yeah. right from the get-go that's a great segue into what i wanted to talk about anyway which was the atmosphere it does this feels like the vision of a you know like an artist is may seem insane but their art justifies the insanity michael jackson the, yeah you're not going to stop listening to him, are you? No, I mean, I'm not, but no, and that's you're, That's why I, I was so, but it is, like, yes, that's that style of thing, and this was, this was, this city, and it comes from the game, is supposed to be the vision of a, a tycoon magnate madman, and like Rockefeller Center, who was, I mean, he was a magnate, and uh, I mean, honestly, that's cool that he finished the building by himself in the Depression, how many jobs did that create, how much wealth did that distribute yeah. by him doing so? Well, I, I think the better, uh, analogy analogy or comparison i think it was uh walt disney no yeah, there's elements of walt disney that, that yes. mustache is straight up walt disney's mustache yeah. on andrew ryan if i remember correctly i played a little bit of bioshock 2 didn't he have like a theme park was that in bioshock 2 where you go on this ride i honestly don't remember i'm bioshock pretty sure i remember that where you go on like this kind of like cart right you get in a cart and it goes it's like the small world mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and it's all of like how andrew ryan built himself up it he makes was, sense because i think um 
the the woman scientist in Tenenbaum. She's like the main. I think is the main antagonist in the second one. Is she? Sense. Okay. I think I don't really remember, but I'm pretty sure she is. Yeah, there's going, definitely elements of both in there. Going back to the atmosphere, though, this one is it's very similar to mini games that I played on Xbox back in the day, and then on computer now. You're saying it's it's a little frightening to play. Daniel is saying it's a little frightening to play, um, and it is. And like when I was playing it on an Xbox in a Chip's living room. It was never frightening because there were people making food, yeah. whatever, and it, the TV's 20 feet away. When I started playing this game, the atmosphere is eerie. It's fucking mm-hmm. scary. It looks like this was this was the vision of a, a mad artist who was right, and then it has it has been corrupted. It has been brought down by the parasite. Um, <laughs> but uh, it and it it is it's fucking scary. But it's it's ambient. It's there. It surrounds you. But it is it's full on. It can be kind of frightening now. Yeah. You're feeling it. You're feeling every part yeah. of the setting you're in. It is so ambient. It, 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 it. No, once. you're right. Um, I didn't even think about Jay. You're right. I, when I was playing the game, it was more of, you know, it's dark and I'm walking around in some place and I hear crazy people and I know someone's going to jump out at me with knives as fingers or something. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, I didn't even think about it. You're in this underwater city that's literally cr- crumbling around you. So there's like water coming in all the yeah. place. And like, I don't have claustrophobia. I'm not afraid of the ocean, but that's that's fucking scary either way. More than the splicers, more than even the big daddies, which were ex- especially scary. It was the entire environment of Rapture mm-hmm. that got me. It was just like... I even though I, I said before Andrew Ryan's speech would have gotten me, his propaganda would have gotten me, and maybe I would have went to Rapture. Or yeah, maybe I would have went to Rapture. They would I would immediately. It. Yeah, no. Oh, <laughs> this skin. I wasn't. Yeah. Oh no, no. They, in the book, they do cover. They brought. They, it's experts in the field. They need. We just don't have any skills. He needed. None yeah. of us can weld. I immediately would want to leave. There, like the pressure, the literal pressure would have gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me. yeah, and I think that's probably maybe implied that that was part of what led everyone to go and kind of insane. Like, you know, there was obviously the plasmids and everything, yeah, but not add canon. on to that, the fact that you're literally under the ocean mm-hmm. and you cannot yeah, leave. There's, some, there's a reason, you know, like something like that means it, it reminds me of like Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, uh, most mostly Enterprise, where, you know, uh, Starfleet has been going through space discovering shit all along but then they figured out that they realized that they maybe they need psychiatrists and counselors so maybe deal with the ramifications yeah. of what they're fucking going mm-hmm. through you basically <laughs> there's there's a lot of analogies between space travel and submarine work yeah and because everything outside of this vessel you're on that you have to keep in repair will kill you really quick mm-hmm. like really really quick it's not like cancer no you're dead in a minute and like but it, it does, it feels, it feels weighty. The Big Daddy's, the first Big Daddy frightens me because the one that you see when you first introduce you the Big Daddy punches that splicer yeah, through the window right through and he's the right window, there yeah. and you're like, whoa, and then you have to go into the room where he was. But once you get to moving around them and playing around them, like, so the the little sisters, you know, they're, they're you can't hurt them. They're non-combat. Um, they, they literally won't take damage. But if you shoot at them, the Big Daddy comes after you. So I was in uh, some, some space trying to figure out how to, pick a flower or something and it wasn't obvious because if it's not obvious I won't see it so I'm just wandering around and all the splicers are dead and the game's not advancing because I once you pick the flowers more splicers, splicers populate and you have to fight your way out but there's a big daddy and a little sister walking around and I don't have the health usually it's like if I've got four health packs 
I'll go after them because it's it's just you just kind of keep laying into the big daddies. What level are you playing? Uh, normal. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did start on hard, and uh, yeah, after the first big daddy eight, eight <laughs> yeah, health okay. packs, I was, I was like, I've say. got a month. I'm gonna drop <laughs> yeah. this down to normal. I almost restarted before I read online. You can change on the hard. Difficulty. You have uh, yeah a bit more of uh, dude. Okay. <laughs> did you get the plasma though? So I was I was standing next to this this little. I was in the stairwell, and this little sister comes walking up the stairwell, and the big daddy is right behind her. And all I could think is, I'm not fucking moving. I'm not being hostile, and I got pushed. The big daddy will come up to you, and if you get too close to the little sister, he'll just push you away. But he doesn't yeah, go he hostile. Hurt you. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt. Yeah, and so I kind of let him push me around, and I tried to walk right at the little sister, and he just pushed me away. And at that point, it's like you know they're not scary, and especially in a level where you've saved or harvested all the little sisters, the big daddies just walk around and do nothing. Yeah, no, yeah, they and, were a cho- like by design, they were a a boss choice. A you didn't have to engage. Them. Yeah, they're a protector. That's yeah. exactly what they didn't bother me. Simply because of that fact. Mm-hmm. It, if you didn't want to fight them, cool. Yeah, exactly. That's don't why fight them. So it's like, whatever. Sure. If I was going to encounter them, it's on my terms. So they didn't really scare me that much. Um, but uh, so going forward, did you guys get the, the plasmid where you could you could uh, hypnotize the big daddies? Yes. Um, I used that. And like, that's great because I, I would always engage the little the, the big daddy little sister combos early. So then the level would always have big daddies walking around just so I could keep that plasmid on me and use it. And I managed to, to hack one of the little security drones. So I've got a security drone and a big daddy, which is I always try to run with, like, play the necromancer in Diablo. I want a little army to do my bidding for me. And there's a bunch of those um, trip wires, the electric trip wires around. And so I crouched under one and then I jumped over another. And then I look back and the big daddy walks through <laughs> it, goes hostile to me, oh. fucking KOs my security bot and then blitzes me. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Whoopsies. And so I've got to fight a big daddy in a room no bigger than what we're recording in, which is a small bedroom. And uh, with like, I there's one, there's a table in the middle and that's the only way I can get away from him. I'm just shocking him and throwing grenades everywhere. Like, I think I used nine health packs. I was like, all right. So big daddies do not have a sneak setting. Roger. <laughs> So just to go off of that like eerie setting sort of uh, vibe that we were all talking about, one of the, the games that they had said that they uh, drew inspiration from was Resident Evil, specifically Resident Evil 4. And I got that kind of feel from it. It's a different kind of game because it's first person and all that. But I think they did a good job of kind of replicating that kind of same eerie feel when you never know what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you Resident Evil 4, when you go into that village for the first time. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. specifically... I think what they did well was uh, maybe I was playing the game wrong. You guys tell me what you think about this was the scarcity of ammunition. No, I never once experienced. No, that. no I, <laughs> I, I, I use the plasmids pretty heavily. I had the scarcity of Eve. Um, and Both. I, I mean, I, I yeah. consider that ammunition. Yeah. Well, and that's but so when, when I would run low on Eve, though, it was like, thank God I've got 40 rounds of double zero buck and just fucking hose him with right. a shotgun. I had. Uh, did you upgrade your weapons? I upgraded my pistol yeah that's, that's oh no yeah you yeah. gotta upgrade the shotgun i i upgrade the <sighs> pistol as well because the pistol is your only kind of long range weapon until you get the um uh it's a bow but with a handle on it crossbow the crossbow oh oh yeah that <laughs> you know that, that bow <laughs> with the, the cross on are it you? i'm not that drunk <laughs> i'm not that drunk can it be a new <laughs> thing we just ask nate how <laughs> drunk are you gonna be stone cold hey, sober man, you, guys, you guys are already saying like why are you so sweaty <laughs> usually i'm not stone cold dry <laughs> um so i would like to talk a little bit more about we, we talk about the themes of the game and the inspiration that it drew from and all that more about the technical parts of the game um what did you guys think that really stood out as far as gameplay-wise, um, either good or bad? Well, one of the things that I liked was... I Obviously, I didn't realize it when I was playing, but uh, 
watching the director's commentary, apparently uh, one of the main inspirations for how the big daddies acted was a tiger mom protecting their cub. Yeah. Because uh, what I can't remember which one, but one of the directors was uh, like apparently was just watching a nature channel and he just saw that and he's like, because, you know, back then the AIs were either like, all right, you see this thing, just go after it. Right. So, but they wanted to make it more intricate, but obviously that was a bit too hard. So what I thought was cool is that they made it more primal, which made it more intricate. When you say primal, what do you mean? Meaning as in there, like you said, what we've been talking about, you walk up to a, a little sister, the big daddy will just push you. They're they're not going to so just not, strip, just attack you. It's not just on or off. There's exactly. A, yeah. yeah. yeah but there's their, their combat, when they were actually in combat, was not, there was no strategic thinking. It was... It was he would just straight go, up just the fuck go. after you until exactly. you were dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then they would go. They would go non-hostile when you died, and you had to resurrect and come back. They were non-hostile. Let me let me talk about that for a second. One of the main things that people didn't like, one of the only criticisms really about this game, as far as like the gameplay goes, and I agree with it, was the Vita Chambers. Um, this is the the mechanic they use. If you die, you pass checkpoints basically, and you'll resurrect there at half health. And I was mad about this, and I didn't realize it was a big complaint. When you resurrect, you're at half health, but the the uh, enemies all have full health. Now, did that carry over to the to the what is it sequels enhanced edition that we're playing? Oh, uh, what is you it called? Remaster. Because you... I I remember a couple of times I was playing and I I died a lot. I'm not very good at FPSs, but I would come back and some. I swear to I swear sometimes that I'm finding a big daddy. I die. My Vita Chamber is right there. I re I re res. I re res. <laughs> I res, and he was you know at a third health. But then there was other times where I swear he was almost dead, and I I resurrect, and then he's at full health again. Which if if that didn't carry over into the remastered, I don't know what that was about. But the reason being is that you can't just grind through. If you're stuck on a part, they kind of hamstring you. If you die once, now you're at half health, and they're back to full. So you can't just come back. And just get through this part. One or two times I died without health packs. Um, so a lot of times I died because I wasn't watching my health. But nah, I still I had like seven that. health packs. Yeah. Um, but the one or two times I died without health packs, both of them were big daddy fights. And both times I was close enough that I said, all right, cool. I've got I've got my health pack as that Vita Chamber. And I just kept charging out. And one of them did take three deaths. Um, but I never checked to see if his health was re- restoring. And maybe I just, because of the way I played aggressively, managed to sidestep him enough and put enough blasts of electric buck into him to put him down yeah um it could I, be uh, yeah. the difficulty setting as well i was yeah. just on normal i'm just saying uh, maybe the splicers get their health back but the big daddies don't but you said you saw sometimes where they did i think i did yeah same I all i know is i read that one of the biggest complaints was that you come back at half and they stay at 100 percent if you if you re- if you res i thought that maybe i saw a couple times where i came back and they were still damaged i might just be wrong no, uh, I think I, it would make sense that they would fix. I feel that like maybe it's on a could timer because, yeah. like, but that that was I liked the Vita Chambers and the difficulty curve because it was because it was easy. It wasn't difficult. Like you didn't have to pick a save, and I haven't auto saved. It was there were, the 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 really convenient ones were where you died in a fight outside the Vita Chamber. You came right back and kept killing the people. But the the inconvenient ones were like, great, now I have to run across half the level. But you really didn't lose anything. You kept all your ammo. You kept all your guns, all your upgrades. Except for what you've used in the fight that you died. Yes, in, yes. Which yeah. a lot of times for me was a lot. Yeah, no. And that's, but I always, I tended to, I switched between the grenade launcher, the Tommy, and the shotgun, moving to the pistol only when I was at max ammo on the pistol, just because I didn't want to not be able to pick up the ammo. 
but I always had one gun that was ready to go as my time to rock and roll, ignore tactics, ignore strategy, dodge shots and lay firepower into them, either the shotgun, the Tommy or the grenade launcher, because I would I kept I would use that one gun till I got low on ammo and then I would switch. But it only happened twice in the game. Once I ran low on shotgun, once I ran low on Tommy, the rest of the time I always had one of the other two guns was almost full on ammo. So when when five splicers were in a room, I could say, fuck strategy, fuck tactics, fuck, and I don't know if you guys did this, figuring out where the um, the security robot turnoff switch was. So you could set off an alarm so the security robots would come out, shock two of them with uh, Electrobolt so that then they're hackable. Hit the switch so no more security bots will come and then hack both of them so you always had two... There's no, a reason I, yeah, I, I did, there's a reason that. I didn't run out of ammo. <laughs> I, I always had like two I would literally just, it, with any of these type of games, no matter what, hack... Whatever. Oh you yeah. Could. No, I, I sorry. I get a comment. Um, Chip, I hope you listen to this episode. Um, I would hack everything in this game the first time I played it, and uh, Chip said, "Wow, Nate's apparently got a weird and strange addiction to Pipe Snake because that uh, was my I favorite can't. hacking mechanic. Ever, I was a game of Pipe Snake. Say, how did you like that? A it's, lot of people didn't. I oh, I wanted, loved it. Because when you're saying criticisms, one of the criticisms was that little. Was I guess it was a game. mini game. To mm-hmm. be honest, yeah. the Pipe Snake. A lot of people didn't like that. It felt like it like detracted. Oh, from dude. the game. I loved the gears spinning in the back. I loved the sound effects. Each time it goes to a new tile, it makes that glug, 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 glug. I, I have some thoughts about that. Um, unless you guys have anything pressing, I can use that to go to my least favorite. <laughs> let's do it. We, yeah, always, no, we, no, always, no, we can always talk about more after. My least favorite, I have two, maybe three, was the hacking mechanic. I really? Liked it, I liked it the first like 10 times because anytime I can hack something, I'm going to have to do it. I want that discount, mm-hmm. and I want that drone on my side. I'm never going to use this machine again, but I have to hack it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh, I know Pipe. This is a great hey, game. Yeah. Like, He's always but, laying Pipe. But then, like, even if like I didn't need to do it, I had to do it. Mm-hmm. So if I failed, I'm like, it blows up. It hurts. He was like, well, fuck you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going <laughs> to exactly. do it. Like, yeah. And I'll go back and do it. But then, like, I didn't like it anymore, but I couldn't not do it because I'm a completionist at heart and I'm going to hack this thing. So it, I got hung up doing so many hacks yes. on these things. Yes. Did you use the auto hack tools? I I did when I got really frustrated. So I would always keep five, like with ammo. I, I hoard everything in video games. And when it, when it was hard, the, the, the hardest I ever hacked was a 75% full on the difficulty. Anything past that, I'd use one of the auto hacks and I never ran out of auto hacks. But so I only ever played it. I played Pipe Snake on my terms when it was fun to play Pipe Snake, not when Andrew Ryan wanted me to play <laughs> Pipe Snake in a capitalist Pipe Snake economy. I guess I'm a slave. I think to the that's system. when you need an adult. <laughs> I, I guess there's some sort of. <laughs> I've been. There's some sort of slug in my bowel, Mr. Ryan. <laughs> I'm, I'm dripping what appears to be Eve or Adam. Please call it Adam. <laughs> All right, well, you went into your least favorites. And that was, yeah. <laughs> I got Nate with that one. Please call it Adam I'm I'm not sorry. Would you kindly <laughs> call finish it Adam. me off? <laughs> so I, I didn't care for the hacking after a time. It was fun for a minute, and then I, it wasn't anymore. I also didn't, and you guys didn't experience this from what you just told me. I had a scarcity of ammo all the time. I, maybe I'm a bad shot. Maybe I was missing caches, but I thought I was finding everything. The um, non-active plasmids, what do you spec as? Because I had the the one where you find extra stuff, scrounger, and then I had the one where you find extra ammo. So there's there's non there's your active plasmids, yeah, which are your, yeah. your right hand, right hand, left hand, your left, left hand's hand plasmids. Um, and then there's like 
there's the like passives. They're passives, and yeah. I I did I I had mine tweaked for hacking, for ammo, for extra health, for extra Eve. When I hacked machines, I got more Eve and health. Like I had, I, I really I, don't remember. Um, I had an issue with keeping track of all the different options you could customize. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would you know the the uh, the vending machines all look very the same to me. So I didn't yeah. know what what was what, and I kind of just gave up on it after a while. I I kind of. I enjoyed, and this is one of my favorites, I enjoyed the atmosphere so much and the story so much that I wanted to just be able to kind of breeze through the game mm-hmm. to get more story. And then it came to a point where the combat and the actual, I guess, game was an annoyance to me because mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what's going to happen next. And it's like, go here and do this and go here. Oh, the door's locked. Now you have to go here and do this. I'm like, no, I just want to see where this is going. It's, That's it's- very interesting because, uh, I mean, there's literally only two cutscenes in this game. No. I, so I, everything is in. I only saw one. So I, th- I saw the intro, and that. Speaking of, that's actually a very late thing yeah. that they put in. They mm-hmm. added that in because people weren't attached to the character. Yeah, they didn't understand what their role was in it, and that's what the boss was like. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> it, it did the gameplay middle and late game. Granted, I didn't finish this time. Did did remind me of late game Brood War or late game Starcraft, where it's like, I want to see what happens in the story. But mission nine of the Zerg campaign takes the Zerg campaign is the last one in um in the original StarCraft, I believe. Mission nine takes you like three hours. And it's like I really want to know where the story's going. Yeah. I don't want to play this game for three hours to then still have one mission left. Yeah. Like, and that's they did it starts to get the difficulty curve ramps up real well. And even with the Vita Chambers, it doesn't have like an old school video game hard. You you're always gonna resurrect right there, but the resources that you've expended, including health packs, they're gone. If you don't have cash yeah. left on hand, and you don't know where the nearest vending machine is to go buy ten more health. I never health had cash. Oh, I always. I, had I don't know. I, I must have been doing something wrong. I never had cash. I never had ammo. And were you not looking? Yes. No. I looked in everything. I went to every nook and cranny. I used the map to make sure I went to every room. I'm. I think I'm just really bad at FPSs. I was missing a lot of shots. So I guess, like, I guess my dis disfavorite. Jesus. Mom, yeah. What's, what's my disfavorite. We we'll talk about our disfavorites on Discord all the time. Would be. Uh, some gameplay elements that didn't mesh with my particular kind of play style, uh, which is nothing against the game. That's just my own hangups. And my most favorite would be the way that they... All right, no. My most favorite is the atmosphere. And uh, <laughs> obviously, that's a huge part of the game. But also, anyone who knows me, just the the subject matter. I fucking loved it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's just if you want to put me in a nutshell... I'm not Andrew Ryan. Sorry, Nick. No, he is. Uh, <laughs> he is. He's always talking about how he deserves the strength. Well, of his actually, seed can you explain that? What What is because I, I, not to get political, even though it's oh, we going to get political, <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, the game is political, exactly. And I know well, it's economical, I guess. Yeah, and I know where Nick is leaning. I am struggling to think what he likes about Andrew Ryan. Nick's though. not leaning; he's falling the fuck over, and I mean that with love. Uh, this game is supposed to be a cautionary tale about unregulated capitalism. Mm-hmm. Just a free market, do what you want to do, no regulation. If it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's it. And this is, it shows what can happen if you let people do whatever they want with morals aside, no gr- government regulation on anything. Mm-hmm. And that's Rapture. Um, Nate? I'd like to add in that Ryan's backstory is that his family yeah, yeah, were business important. owners in... Russia. So his, his name is Andre. 
and the Soviets during the war took everything from his family, yeah, so they okay, fled to the sense. U.S. Yeah, yeah. Changed his name to Andrew, and it does for me. It does. It's very much like our parents. Like we talk about our parents about Sweden, and they're like, "It's socialism," and we're like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Stalin," and it's like, "Whoa, calm the fuck down." Like, and that's Andrew. y'all are collecting social security. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is going to be gone by the time we're there. So you're just taxing us and taking our money. Um, but it is. Ryan's motivations are very much the I won't I won't I won't taint Reagan Reaganism by saying it's Reaganism, but it's similar to the Cold War mentality of he has these wild fears of Soviet takeovers. He also really didn't didn't like the taxation and uh, kind of enforced altruism of no, the U.S. I, I, government. I got yeah. all that. I, it just no, for me personally, knowing Nick. What is he gravitating towards because, Andrew Ryan? Because uh, Nick, and, you know, Nick, here. correct me if I'm wrong after this episode mm, airs, yeah. but Nick doesn't believe, not necessarily in taxation, but he believes in small government and to, to no government, if that was possible in real world. But I think that he agree, yeah. realizes most regular people would agree like that his... he needs some government, but not to regulate markets and just let to things go as they will because the market will regulate itself. And as little government intervention as possible. Okay, which is obviously guess, okay. Andrew Ryan takes it to an extreme. extreme. And yeah, that's yeah. In the book, again, non-canon, but that's one of the things that when Ryan he basically nationalizes the um, who's the Fisher, the bad guy, the good guy, who's that? Fontaine. Fontaine. He nationalizes. He, he raids and takes over Fontaine's company. He gets one of the scientists and he takes over, which and, is against his ethos. But what he's trying to say is. We're going to produce, and that's what he's even saying prior to doing that is no. And they're like, well, the the, the the plasmids are making people insane. This is the head of security. He's like, they're literally going insane. And he goes, and eventually someone will take this science and build a better version. And in the normal uh, US or Soviet or capitalist or communist ethos, these would have never seen the light of day because they were too out there. Oh, yeah. He created an atmosphere where they could come out. Now, granted, they drove a ton of people insane, and he's saying someone will take this science and make it without the terrible side right. effects. What, what are the things, though, that I love? It, it, it's a credit to, which I always hark on, is the uh, voice acting. You can tell <laughs> that he's somewhat lying to himself. Yeah, but that's as when that's he's saying that. Where that's what he's... Like, oh, sure, it's, it's caused insanity, some of blindness, and occasionally death well i think it was twofold i think that he he was like nate was saying i don't know is that canon that he was from soviet uh russia in I the game i don't know if that's in the game i believe it wasn't one of the recordings but i don't it know it makes he sense. mentions his history in russia but the whole thing of his name being andre and he changed it to andrew i think that's so in the it's book, implied yeah. that he's actually from soviet yes russia, yeah. which makes sense so like it, pre it, pre Soviet, he was, it, they, but they were his. It family makes was, more sense than anything else. The Soviet takeover he, is why they left. The Bol yeah. Bolsheviks, got yeah, him. yeah. So I guess um, it makes sense. It kind of tries to give him a reason. At someone playing the game gives you a reason to kind of endear yourself to him. Be like, oh, he went through this traumatic experience. I see where he's coming from. But I think when you're saying it, kind of sounds like he's lying to himself. I think there's a progression there. When he first starts out at Rapture, he's like, "This is it. This is the utopia. I've created it." And he's so attached to the ideal, he's put it, all of his money into it, he can't mentally let that go. Exactly. And think, and, but yeah. he also truly believes that the market will regulate itself. It, so this these plasmids are out there, and people are going insane, but because he believes in the free market, since they're bad, something will come along to alleviate that. Someone's going to create a better version so that this will go away, and no one will want to buy that one. But And that's the thing, is that he doesn't, he doesn't, I feel like one of the reasons he's lying to himself is that 
at least from the book, which I think the book with the first game create a really good story. I, I've got a whole piece about the second game, but not, not important. Um, he recognizes that he's not even using the system he's trying to set up. Fontaine has so outmaneuvered him and so outcreated him that he he outright takes Fontaine's intellectual property. Mm-hmm. He raised yeah, Fontaine's that, yeah. facility. And I think so the, the lies that he's telling himself aren't even that the system won't work. It's that because the system immediately grew beyond his control, not nah, it took 10 years, but it, it immediately got out of his control and he wasn't on top anymore. He he very rapidly throws it out to create a strong man, like a, a, a despotism where, mm-hmm. you know, like, no, I, I've been driven to all these decisions. I've had to raid Fontaine because he was smuggling. He was bringing in stuff from the outside world. Which yes. is tainting his system, which is supposed to be closed. Th- this, this, this stuff from the outside world, there was a market value for it. The free market demanded it be there. That's why he was exactly. able to do it. He's, from yeah. the get-go, he's betraying his morals. And then towards the end, he's pushed into outright betraying his ideals in that he wanted to be this strong man. And that's like the power corrupt. He built this place to be in power so he could set it up as perfect. The minute somebody else got their head up to his level, he had to beat him down. But I think that... The speaking of the beating down, I think the would you kindly took to that he finally realized that it was out of his control mm-hmm. and that there was nothing he can do. Were we recording when we covered the would no, you kindly? No, we didn't. Yeah, that, the yeah. mic was off. You want to give the backstory on that? The would, would you kindly, the programming? Go. So, your main your character, huge spoiler, by the way, according to the book, which is non canon, you are the son of Andrew Ryan and his favorite uh, stripper. Who he literally sends to elocution classes. But uh, he literally sends her to elocution classes and like classes her up so he can take her around class society events. Then he abandons her. Well, she's pregnant and the uh, Fontaine and his scientists withdraw the the zygote from her and raise the kid. Genetically alter it so it grows faster, which is where the the, the little sisters see the angels in you Mm because you've already got plasmas in you long before um, you're there. And so... You show up in 1959, 1960, it's 1959, I think it's 59. and you're supposed to be like, you're four, but you're a fully formed adult because your your growth has been accelerated in the book and you've come back. And the idea is none of the security measures, because Ryan has maximum security clearance based on his genetic ID, you will have. So you're able to go everywhere that Fontaine Atlas can't and that other operatives can't mm-hmm. because you are Fontaine, you're Ryan's son, um, which doesn't, that's non-canon, but I just think that was so like... Oh shit! But in the game, you are conditioned. Yes. Li- oh, forgive me. Yeah, you're yeah, conditioned. Literally, uh, the the would you kindly starts off right off the bat. Yeah. Whenever Why, somebody when says you, you have that whole, you're in the. I almost said back to tank. You're in the you're bathosphere. In, yeah, the bathosphere. <laughs> the, that whole thing happens where that splicer cuts up that person. Yeah, and then. Atlas comes in and he's like, would you kindly pick up the radio? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Every time Atlas gives you, not every time, but most of the times he gives you an objective. Like some of the objectives are like you're in a chamber that starts floating and it's like objective escape. Okay. I, I, that's easy. But every time you're kind of without an objective, he'll say like, would you kindly do this? And your character is programmed to respond, to do whatever you're told mm-hmm. when it's would you kindly. And I think w- w- one of my favorite parts about that is, re- uh, I, I was talking to Nate about it before we recorded, was I watched, uh, not Screen Rant, Wisecrack, a philosophy of Bioshock. And it, it's crazy. It's about, like, this game, it presents you with the fact that you have choice, but in the end, it's all about that, no, you, you don't really, it, you're predestined to do a thing. Would you kindly is presented to you as a question, 
but it's a command. You don't, yeah, you don't have a choice. Exactly. And I thought, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. irony yeah. in that. And that's the kind of game that, like, you want to play twice. Mm-hmm. Now that you know the twist, you go back and play again, and you realize, holy shit, it was preordained from the start. Mm-hmm. You guys killed, did either of you get to killing Ryan in this playthrough? Did you? Yeah, um, I mean both times. Doesn't yeah. yeah. So in the past I did, but I don't remember. Doesn't isn't there a point because Ryan lays it all out for you? Which yeah, you think yeah. Is the point, like, and then you realize you're programmed, and so you're like that my, whole my, speech about my, being a man or a slave. Yeah, yeah. My my impetus was I'm not going to kill him now. And then Atlas goes, "Would you kindly kill him so we can get on with this?" Kill and the then su- would you kindly kill the son of a bitch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then your objective is kill Andrew Ryan, and you can literally stand there and do nothing, and nothing happens for like ten minutes. But you have to kill his ass. Exactly. And it's like, oh, damn. That's the whole point. It, it uh, In that Wisecrack video, it, it, it in uh, Bioshock Infinite, you have a choice where you flip a coin. And, you, all right, press X to flip the coin. You can just sit there and not do anything. But the game has to progress right. with you flipping that coin. Jason! 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 <laughs> oh, God. You got you to gotta find that reference in the other episodes. Yeah, there, guys. yeah look for that somewhere. <laughs> uh, so, Jay... Favorite, least favorite. So my favorite, obviously, I'm going to assume with everybody else, is the atmosphere of the game. Uh, Shocking. Right? <laughs> Bioshocking. Somebody's oh. been hit with... Somebody just got hit with Electrobolt. Bunch. Um, I loved, and I didn't notice it the first time, because with all games, which is odd as a kid, because you think when you're playing as a kid, you want just like, all right, I want to beat him up and do some cool shit. Oh, for me... I was, yeah, that was the most I epic was, for me we've had. I was more into the like I would only play a game for a story. Uh, you know, fucking Call of Duties. <laughs> I yeah, I laughed at duties, who cares? Which one which one was the one the first Call of Duty that had a decent story? Was it? Uh, Modern Warfare. Modern Warfare was was So was I good. I yeah. played those games for the story. I didn't as a kid I didn't have Xbox Live because I was a kid and my parents wouldn't pay for it also they... but even even so oh. i didn't like <laughs> it hurt me uh it's also even flow which upsets me but um <laughs> i just wanted to play the games for story i didn't give a shit about uh fighting other people online uh massive time multiplayer was hard back then well not i mean yes even we, though when we started playing there was no xbox live there was yeah. no there was an xbox no, you, you could we played land with xbox with you had halo the, you had with the your system friends. Link. yeah yeah i get that there was no toxic player base then Yo, I, <laughs> I, I was there i was there <laughs> hey, the man makes a good point <laughs> But you were near, and we could hurt you. Yes, yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> so there's there ramifications to that. <laughs> you could have a girlfriend pour a glass of ice water on but my I, junk. So but... the first time I played this game, I was just enthralled with the story. So I didn't like care about any of like the actual like when you say atmosphere of like looking through, looking through your aesthetics, looking at the environment. So this time I took a step back and wanted to, especially since it was remastered, I wanted to like look at everything. Yeah, and it was beautiful. And even more terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It, it was terrifying. Let me just say, the remaster, great fucking job. Yeah. Great it was job. one of the ones where I was very, very happy with what they did. There's a lot of them, which we've talked about before, where the remasters have not done them justice. It's a money grab, but they didn't really work on this one. They clearly, clearly had an idea of what they wanted to do and executed it. Was exactly. The, was the graphical interface, Was the were the graphics updated? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most. Death. I just didn't notice. Yeah. I, most I don't know if I, I don't know if I have it, 
but I think I might. Opposite. We have a, a a copy of Bioshock for 360. It's a, I have I, it difference. on my 360 hard drive. When I do the when I do the website post, I'm gonna look up side by sides. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. I'm like the remastered. Uh, and I, one of my dislikes, and I touched on it before, was the uh, even though it ties with the theme of this game, the illusion of choice of whether harvesting or saving, and then at the end whether it it it, it didn't fit right with what the game was giving you. It wasn't a Mass Effect where you were straight up had choices of Renegade or Paragon. This was a game that was. Most definitely story driven from the get go because there was only one cutscene, which is in the beginning, and there was a lot of people. And I remember uh, uh, the director was saying that people would just sit there in the water, not knowing the cutscene was over. And I, I actually, I literally did that the second time <laughs> At the around. Beginning? Yeah, in the beginning, I was like, uh. "This is oh shit, I can move." Hold up, <laughs> yeah, hold up, yeah. hold up. So that's, but that's like the you gotta, you gotta. Temper that with time, though, because this was one of the first games. This came out around the same time as Mass Effect 1. This was when the industry as a whole was still tampering with morality, where think of all those morality games, the first ones that came out around this time, 2007, when it first came out. They were, how do we enact a morality system? These designers didn't even want to, they didn't know. Well, that's the thing, though. I played Mass Effect before Bioshock. I I played them in reverse order, but they both have the same... Good guy, bad guy. Make your decision. There's no impact on the story. There it is. So what I wanted to ask you, Jay, going upon what you just said, knowing what you know now that they didn't even want to put that mechanic in there, to me, I'm like, oh, okay. That was a mechanic. They didn't even want it in the game, so they made it as negligible as possible. Yeah. Not knowing that, I'd be like kind of pissed. Like, oh, I had the illusion of choice. But knowing that, I'm like, all right, I get it. I'm not that pissed about it. How do you feel about it? I think they should have leaned more towards that way i think that the and what made me mad or not mad where it just like was like oh this is it wasn't even a factor was either harvest or save the little girls Mm -hmm. or little sisters little Little sisters um it was so apparent in the beginning it was like obviously you're gonna get more from just saving them yeah make it more ambiguous make it more of a dilemma but they didn't want that they had a story they wanted to tell, and they were forced. No, to I, I I understand yet. that. I, for me personally, if I was forced upon it, then I would. Uh, what is that fucking subreddit? Uh, something compliance. Oh, malicious compliance. I would have done a malicious compliance yeah. in that. Well, yeah. They kind of did. It was it was negligible the difference that you would get in resources back from it, and they had the. I guess they had two different endings. I don't know. Yeah, they um, did. Yeah, depending on what you did. Uh, I don't know them. I, I, never I finished don't, them. I don't recall the ending. Uh, but the it kind of was. Whatever you chose, fine. You get 10% less if you harvest them. It was forced on them. They didn't want that. They had a story. They wanted to tell it, and they told it to the best of their ability with what was in, imposed on them by the studio. Mm. Think of Fallout 3. Have you guys played Fallout 3? I haven't played any Fallout. I played it, never finished it. So Fallout Maybe 3, we'll do it for this podcast. The morality, yeah. the morality system, similar to Bioshock, similar to this game, really has zero effect. 10% more Adam in the game because they... they they have a storyline they're going to convey, and that oh, you got to put this morality system in. It's like, do you want us to write two completely different stories? No, no, just just same story, just have the ending be different. And that's because that's how morality systems were back then. And because yeah. it was you're good or you're bad, which is a not true. And then also 
we're not going to give this studio the money or time to write two completely different stories to add all the gray areas of moral complexity. But we have to. We've been forced to put this morality system in. So they're all the ba- Fallout Three, Bioshock, Mass Effect. I feel uh, like this- I I would not to interrupt you. I would put in uh, Knights of the Republic Two in that. Yeah, that's, that's one yeah. of the reasons why I like Knights of the Republic Sith or more. Jedi. Yeah. And that, but the two made it more ambiguous. Exactly, which is yeah. what it should be. And that's but this this was the time when morality systems were popping up in games. They're all shit. Looking back on them, and looking but, back on them. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Just finish your shit. I, I got. I, I, I look I do, at this graph. <laughs> I do think uh, that that is an interesting point, though, because like you were saying, that was a new mechanic that mm-hmm. they were testing out. And we can look back now with our our hindsight, looking back and, and our see big like brains. See that we like, can look at that graph. Yeah, this doesn't really work that well because we've seen how it progressed, and now you can have those games where there's like six, seven different endings, and even in the middle, choose your own adventure. Even in the yeah. middle of the game, you have different things that happen depending on how you go. Branching stories. This was the first step into that, where we don't have branching stories; we have branching endings, mm-hmm. and. So it's it, it's easy to look back on it with a critical eye, mm-hmm. but we can understand that like this is the first time they tried that, and I think that's where where that um, quote comes. Where this is the first, uh, I forget the exact quote. Let me hold on, pull it up here. Quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> the coming of age of video games as an artistic medium, yeah. because you're not just playing a game that somebody made; you're participating in the art. They're giving the the chance to affect the world that you've been invested in Mm -hmm. and even though they didn't want to they had a story they wanted to tell and they were forced to do it it might have been the jumping point that other studios needed to be like look at what bioshock did people loved this game let's try this and let's put this mechanic in our game and see where this goes and you said mass effect and bioshock came out mass effect one and bioshock came out the same time i'm gonna look up release because i i I don't want to say that uh mass effect did it better because they're completely different oh they absolutely did though they had two more games and a plan. Exactly, they had a, they had a like Bioshock, Bioshock was, was on its own. Yeah, exactly. They both, they both came out in two thousand seven. Um, but that's what I'm saying is that that that's something I wanted to talk about is that Bioshock came off, and what's the quote? One more time. Oh, because uh, um, it really does like it's hitting me. Like it's uh, the coming of age of video games as an artistic medium. Because like Bioshock is it's this one off thing. There were more built onto it. There was a book because the studio had a hit, and that's what studios do. Had Halo bombed, we would all be talking about that great game, Halo, that nobody had heard of. But it wasn't. So this whole enterprise came out, and this conflicted, confused storyline written like an asshole just to make more money. Bioshock was an all-in-one. Mass Effect, had it bombed, we never would have known the whole story. But Mass Effect was, it was the Avengers. It was meant to be a three-part set. There was meant to be more. But it did have that, that that it was this kind of, in my opinion, broken morality system of like, cool, my scars are blue or red. You know, like, to be fair, I loved that. Oh, I did too. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool thing because there's a reflection, not just an in-game post-credit thing. There was but, a reflection in the game. So um, I think that the progression from Bioshock to Mass Effect was huge. And I, I don't know if you pulled up the, the, the year difference. They came out the same year. They came out the same year. Yeah. No, that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. And, but... Also, wasn't Bio or um, Mass Effect done by Bioware? Yeah, which has a history of doing RPG games. Yeah, they're they're more driven in that and, way. And the guys who made Bioshock came from System Shock, with, and they were trying to make kind of a spiritual successor to System Shock, which did not have any kind of morality system whatsoever. Release a uh, Kotor, you said had a morality system, right? 
Yeah, Kotor yeah, two. Yeah. That released in two thousand four. So and that was also the, that's, yeah okay. So maybe they took the blueprints from that. Of yeah. the four we've mentioned, Bioshock and Mass Effect came out the same year. Fallout came out the following year. Fallout three and Kotor came out three years before. That's that's a dev cycle. They came out a dev cycle before everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. And they those were all very different. Well, sort of different um, morality systems. Um, for instance, uh, Kotor was a sliding scale. Exactly. Yeah, you had your dark side, you had your light side. But the the difference, I think, being Mass Effect, the way they did it was, all right. I made just talking about the first game because you know decisions you make in the first game carry over to two and three, mm-hmm. and they knew they were going to do that. But even within the first game, you make a decision in the first you know mission, and like five missions later, what you did can come up and it'll affect what happens from then on which i think is was ahead of their time and i think did it very well so i i think that there was there's clear delineations between hey we're trying to make system shock three but in a different setting yeah and we're going to add in forced to add in this morality thing and that's why it's so bad they didn't want it it wasn't meant to be part of the game it was whereas the, the rapture was the first thing they thought of it wasn't even the story which blew my fucking that's mind. not true we it were is? talking about it earlier no they wanted I, the, the they wanted the three-part system protector harvester and no drone. I, I understand that but before the actual like story of andrew ryan all stuff they thought of rapture yes yes yeah. yes they thought the setting first but before that they thought of the the mechanics of the game they no yeah of yet. course which it, it's kind of because I'm an amp, even though I haven't produced anything or written anything that actually has you're come as, out, as, as, I'm an amateur writer, and the... what I've always thought is that, and what I've been what I've been told is what you want to get your story to flourishion is you want to flourishion, know fruition huh? fruition, fruition. <laughs> sorry oh, we're from florida he's become confused it's, <laughs> what happens when you bring something to fruition you, you already want your beginning middle and end but the way that they did it was just their environment well they had and their then beginning they built middle and it end. from there not from not oh i see well, well of course of like, the story they didn't have anything in the story they just built their environment and then built their story around well you rapture. have to have your environment first i don't that's if you're to gonna me, think that's, of a, you're gonna think of a story so like um is it okay if i talk about your comic of course yeah so jason has been thinking about making a comic for a while and it's about a superhero so when you were thinking about this story did you think first about the story you're gonna build or you're gonna think about the world that it was in uh i think uh to me from reading other things i thought of story but then the world kind of came in par but not as not as important right I mean, it's important though because I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a story you want to tell, and to to be fair to your point, if they want to make a story about the ills of capitalism, they could have chosen anything. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, I, the I think the way they did it was inspired because a lot of people who who want who believe in or or are interested in capitalism and anarcho capitalism specifically would be like, well, if we have a our own country. Just inside of itself, our own little bubble, this could work. The same thing can be said for communism or, or anything else yeah. as well. Uh, if, if you want to have any kind of political idea, if it's bubbled in itself, it'll work because we have no outside influences. But you're, you're and not- here's, here's the issue. When you have these ideas, humans are flawed. You have an idea, and if you're only 
adhering to this one principle and you have it bubbled in itself with no outside ideas, it's going to collapse no matter what it it's is. It's a utopian how, society. Yeah, I, I don't societies know how, are doomed to fail. I don't know how many times where I was playing this game and I thought, man, I've kind of said this in like my teenage angst. <laughs> it really is. Andrew Ryan is like fulfilling everybody's teenage like, the world is shit. It's all rigged. It, it pretty yeah. much. I'm going to start a new. This isn't right. <laughs> if it were just, li- if literally. It were just me in charge, everything could work. Wow, Jesus Christ, Jason, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. We've gotten to the meat of the I will game. build a new empire. <laughs> I want to I add something about I, I said pretty quiet while you guys were talking there. So we've got the, the idea of the game system, the, the harvester, the protector, the drone. drone. And we've got the um, setting. And really... I think from my perspective, that was that was this game. It was a setting you could get lost in that had great gameplay, but the story itself was kind of asinine. Like Andrew Ryan holds to his principles, never yielding to real politics while his entire facility is falling around him to the obvious holes in his theorem without ever saying like like we just lived through that. (laughs) because we did listen i mean there's a lot that can be said about different people but nobody can say with a straight face or any realism that trump was a capitalist or an anarcho capitalist (laughs) that man was like andrew ryan a wannabe monarch and a fascist but he held to his principles (laughs) of wannabe monarch and then fascist with a crumbling society around him (laughs) (laughs) my most favorite part about this game was the analogy we just made with Donald James Trump. J. Trump? Whatever. Fuck him. I don't it's just it. J. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's there. the letter J. And also it's Trump. Anybody anybody <laughs> named J or any variation of J is a terrible person. Jason, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. <laughs> so, Nate, what are your least... Did we, in- cover, did we cover both of yours? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, all right. Uh, most favorite, that setting and the... So like we we went so back, we're all in agreement. Yes, we no, went. Yes. But I'm going to add to that. We went back and played uh, System Shock Two, which was supposed to be a lot of this game. Link in the description. <laughs> no, there won't be. Sorry, you're not pointing at the description. You're pointing at your cock. <laughs> Tattoo that on there right now. Um, <laughs> but no. So they having played System Shock Two, I don't know what it was. They had the same sort of uh, survival horror motif kind with of, with the the I won't I won't say dystopian because that was futuristic. I mean it was dystopian future, so yes. But like with the the whole of uh, the two parts, you know, the plasmids I mean, for Bioshock. What yeah. do they call them in System Shock? I don't remember. I forget. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, because System Shock didn't draw me in, the setting pulled that in, and yeah, yeah. the the this story. I'll even give the backstory was there. There was so much towards like you you literally. You're talking about a place that has gone nuts because these plasmids make everyone crazy. So what do you do? Pump your shit ass up with 25 different fucking plasmids and go take down the boss because you're programmed to do so from birth? Okay, yeah, it's just crazy. And it was like that you could fall into this game in a way that you can't with a lot of games. Fallout 3, I love the Fallout series and Fallout 3 got me into it. Can't fall into that game. There's some great stuff in it, but that's a game you play for you four mean you hours. You can't fall out into that game. <laughs> i just threw my headphones at him um my least favorite by far though then it's it's maybe a symbol of the time the cartoony art style like i loved the art deco of the the setting but the characters like i really feel that that new year celebration with the masks on yeah that was an fuck man nobody here can program a decent looking face all these people look like clay-faced monsters let's make it on new year so everyone's wearing masks okay hey it makes sense uh, i yeah, mean they yeah, found yeah. a way to get around exactly and that's it, you, you don't notice it, that. i can say it makes sense for the devs as well yes though. and that's and so that's, they don't have to render a face and, and you don't and i don't i didn't notice that until 
it's a little a little ways into the game, maybe an hour into the game. You're in that like bar and it's very clear mm-hmm. it was a New Year's party and there's like a corpse on the ground and it was the first time I just wanged on a corpse with my wrench and the mask. Wanged. Yeah, wanged. All right, you fucking <laughs> necrophiliac. Yeah. Uh, I was harvesting the atom. <laughs> Call it Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Daddy. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mr. Bubbles. Uh, but I, I hit a corpse with my wrench. Okay, that just there's no way to make that sound. Not. And the mask came off, and I'm looking at the faces. And even in the the book, they try to say like, "Oh, the plasmids make their faces get these weird callus growths." It's like there's no way to cover up that face. Looks like a terror monster. There's nothing about that face that. And I think it was hardware limitations and time limitations and development limitations. It was definitely time. But the, the, there's the faces of every character looks. They look horror. Like they look they look literally like the word horror. Also when it came out. Yes. It was time and that, and when it came but Andrew out. Ryan looks okay. Atlas looks like a come on, bring it to me. So there was <laughs> I don't know why I remember. I, <laughs> I, in my research I did come across that um they were there were production issues. Um they had to go from a team of six to sixty. Yeah. When they got the uh, the go ahead to make this game. So some of the people they brought in, and I think it was the lead art director, and Ken was that Le- that was Jeff Clayface, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and Ken Levine were kind of butting heads, mm-hmm. and there there was like two big personalities that had different visions of how they wanted to make this game look, and the the art director ended up getting fired, and then on top of that, production was going over budget and over time, and the studio was like, "Yo, we need to get this game out." There's a lot of hype for it, and they were like, "It's not done. It's buggy." And, wow, surprise, surprise, uh, imagine that, they give them more time. Wait, that never happens now. Wait, they did? No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they did. 2008, but they the were, glory days, they, when nothing <laughs> bad ever happened. But they said, uh, you have three more months, which is a lot of time mm-hmm. in game development, to um, fix this. It's really... But they, they really needed, like, six. Yeah, yeah. So they, they only gave them three months, so the production was kind of cramped. And there was a lot of internal strife. They were working like, you know, 14, yeah, 15, sprints. 16 hour days. Yep. Shit we know about now that happens in the video game industry that no one knew about back then mm-hmm. that they were they were doing. So they were very stressed. There was a lot of turnover in the team and there was a lot of uh, internal fighting about the direction the game was going. That might have been one of the compromises they made. Like, we don't have enough time to render the yeah, faces. They, Let's make it New they Year's. They probably showed somebody... This is the model of our of our splicer. This is the guy that's going to come at you and some executive or maybe the, the lead dev was like, why does he look like a piece of shit? It was probably <laughs> just a compromise. Like, we don't have the time to do it. Yeah. So put we'll just masks put masks on, on him. Yep. No. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, yeah. that was because then you've got you can you can have a team develop Atlas's face and Ryan's face and Tenenbaum's face, all the faces that pop up on the recordings, all the faces that you're going to see as characters standing around. But you don't need them for the mobs. You don't need them for the only things you really need to see are the little sisters and the little sisters already look horrible. That's why you're harvesting them or fixing them. But well, no, that, it's like I said. The when they wanted a more sophisticated AI for Big Daddies, they actually dumbed it down mm-hmm. to a more. Uh, and you write you they wrote around it so that it worked. Exactly. Yeah, that's, this yeah. game is so solid. But even my least favorite is such a gripe that oh, the faces look like shit. Can you see them? Only when you're bored in a room staring at a exactly, corpse. Exactly, yeah. Wailing on it with your wrench, just beating the fuck. Never mind, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> they they succeeded in what they were trying yeah, to exactly. do. Nate, wire your pants off. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I, that's why. All right, so you, you got your, both your favorite and least favorite in? Yeah. Uh, no, let me do them again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> All right, so uh, we went a little long on this one, uh, but 
not sorry. Where are we at? There was some wrench beating of corpses. <laughs> I'm sure, though, we have about uh, 30 minutes, well, 20 minutes, 10 minutes of, of bickering that you could edit out and we could get back to. I might leave it in. Uh, I might leave it in. We, you know? bickered, we bickered. And for the record, he was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> what are you going to do? I uh, usually am. Bitch about it. Um, no, I won't. <laughs> no, I will. I, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm... <laughs> our next game, we're super excited about it. And the reason we're doing it is because the second in this line of games, it'll become a line series, of games, I yeah. guess, uh, is coming out on March 30th. And on uh, day of recording, it is the 23rd. It will be out on the 25th. So you'll have five days to buy it. It's on sale. The second game is Evil Genius 2. So we are playing Evil Genius one, Evil Genius. Why are you doing math over there, Nate? Don't we release Didn't on Friday? Did we already say Evil Genius? Yeah. Friday will be the 26th, not the 25th. Oh, fuck, you're totally right. Yeah, but also... It's not Wednesday yet. <laughs> greater oh, fuck. Today is Jason's grandfather's birthday, and he hasn't called him. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's he going will, to after this. As soon as we're done recording. <laughs> so we're playing Evil Genius next month. Uh, if you guys never played it, it's a really fun game. It's kind of like a, a dungeon crawler, but from the other side, you play the villain, you build a dungeon, and you uh, you you, dungeon. you kill people. This is literally my least favorite game, but also you're least, so wrong. No, no, least favorite type of game, but my most one of my most favorite. We've got to play Dungeon Keeper too eventually. It doesn't matter. We're playing Evil Genius, <sighs> and I'm excited. If you guys want to play it, it's nine ninety nine on Steam. Good old games and Humble Bundle. It's the only ones I've looked up. If you can find it somewhere else, or if you already own it, play it again. It's what one of my favorites since when I was a kid. If you're it's, a Satanist, I'm sure it's available on Origin or in Doctor <laughs> Evil. It's it still it still, oh, it still oh. holds up to this day. And uh, the second so game is coming out at the end of this month. And if you have already played the game, or if you plan on playing the next one, it is on sale until the 30th of March. So Evil Genius Two on sale. Till the thirtieth. God, what a great! I'll put game. a link. I'll put a link on the website to be to, 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 to just to be clear. We're not playing two. We're playing one. We're playing one, but I will put a link. I'll put a link in the the post on the website that will have Evil Genius Two. We're really excited sale. about it. I'm gonna play the fuck out of this game. I'm <laughs> so excited. And there, uh, I've actually never beaten it, and I plan to this can time. You? Unlike I, the I last, think you can. Yeah. Unlike the last two months, I'm gonna have some time to play normal video games. It's gonna be great because like Railroad Tycoon, Roller Coaster Tycoon never ends, so I just kept playing it. Bioshock was huge. Prior to that was Oberdin, and I felt bad when I didn't And then play he it. stopped so, ovulating. Everyone remember this, because when Nate doesn't what? finish Evil Genius, let's remember this. There's Is there an end? If there's an end, I'll find it. I don't know. There is an end. I've, well, I've, beat, more, really? I've beat more games on this podcast than you have, sir. You might have. Yeah, Def have. I just want to... I'm I'm counting all the all the, the homeworlds that I beat. I just want to... Uh, playing one game. I just... Uh, fair enough. <laughs> when I beat five games in one month. I just want to say, yeah, that kind of... I just yeah. want to shame you so that if... By some reason, you don't finish it next, yeah, yeah, next month. You, yeah. I can bring yeah. this back. Yeah. Oh, you forgot to put that light on. Thank you, Jay. Let's All reshoot right, the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't hear right without that light on. So don't forget to hit us on our socials. You can get us at commandcenter.games. Email us at commandcenterpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Talk to us. Let us know what you want us to play. Let us know what games you love, what episodes you love, what episodes you hate. And we'll see you next month. I'll put myself liking wieners and anywhere I want to be. Be all that you can be. I wish I were an Oscar in the Meyer wiener, wiener reserve. Reader. Excellent. Ugh. <laughs> you Nate or you Jason swallowed. <laughs> <laughs>
What are you doing? Oh my god, you can hear that? <laughs> the whole class can hear it. 